the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country cheers me. Sweet land of liberty of the Arsene. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us at 8 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday. It's the 11th morning of the 10th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, it's an important day for a number of reasons. Let's get those out of the way for the moment. Uh, today is the first day you can cast a ballot in the November 7th election. 30 days of early voting starts today, and it's extraordinarily important that we get out there and put the no in November on issues 1 and 2 every single day. We need more and more people who cherish life and want to protect kids and families to get out there and vote no. We can not wait until Election Day, November 7th, to try to make up the ground. I promise you, those who want those constitutional amendments put into the Ohio Constitution are getting out there and voting today. There will be more of them tomorrow, and there will be more of them the day after that. And it's going to continue for 30 days because they know what they're doing. Oftentimes, we don't. Despite pleas, P-L-E-A-S, please, I am pleading with you right now, do not wait. Vote early. Get your votes in the bank against Issue 1 and Issue 2. So that's one reason why today is extremely important. 
Reason number two, they're going to select a new Speaker of the House today. Or at least they're going to try. My own prediction is they're not going to get it done. The wayward Republicans who literally are just in a state of disarray because of what they did with McCarthy in what is just a giant mess, there's probably going to be equal support for Jordan and Scalise when they have their votes today. It's going to take multiple votes, probably over multiple days, just like it did with Kevin McCarthy the last time or the last time around. Republicans cannot get out of their own way. If there is some sort of divine intervention and we do have some sort of uh, closure today, I'm praying that it will be Jim Jordan as the new Speaker of the House. But I am not confident that they will, they will have a result by the end of the day today. So those are two very important things that are happening today. On this program, in about an hour, we're going to talk with a mom in Lakewood who's very concerned about some lessons and some classes in her school, or her son's school, or kid's school, which is Lakewood High School. I'll share that with you when we talk to her. Uh, it's good reason to be concerned, by the way. This is happening all over America. Lawrence Jones, newly added to the Fox and Friends morning team, uh, is also an author, and he's got a new book out. We're going to talk to him at 1035 about toxic masculinity, or at least the assault on said toxic masculinity, even though it's something that doesn't exist. And then Billboard Chris, if you know, you know. If you've never heard the name Billboard Chris, you probably just don't go on the Internet. If you go on the Internet, you know who Billboard Chris is. Uh, we're going to talk to him at uh, 1110 this morning. So those are our three guests. Our first hour is devoted entirely to our lead story, which is Israel. Before we start with what's going on there, let's pledge. Let's get our get our pledge. We probably need a commitment to our country as much now, if not more now, than really any time we, uh, that I can remember. Certainly, of course, around horrific events like uh, 9-11 come to mind. But Let's do this. Patriots, stand. Face your flag. Put your hand on your heart. Join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you stand with the terrorists, then kneel for this pledge. Because you do not believe in freedom. You do not believe in life, nor liberty, nor the pursuit of happiness. If you stand with the terrorists, if you stand with the Palestinians who do not condemn Hamas, then take a knee and don't shame yourself in front of all of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all confirmation came yesterday um, of some of the most horrific things we have heard since the awful attack that has now claimed close to 1200 lives you know these reports are always very um you know um Estimated, I suppose, because they change from hour to hour in terms of the number of dead, the number of wounded, the number of hostages. Uh, one of the latest numbers I heard was around 1,200 dead in Israel, uh, roughly 3,400 wounded, and a couple hundred or so taken hostage when the uh, siege on Saturday began. Yesterday, uh, multiple reports talked of a Hamas terror attack on Kibbutz Kafar Azah, um, an area of Israel, a small rural farming area, farming community of around 750 people, was assaulted by the bloodthirsty subhuman animals from Hamas that resulted in at least 40 babies being killed and many of them decapitated and evidence of some of them being burned alive. 
quoting now from Breitbart, which is quoting CNN, which I guess, okay. Israeli uh, Defense Forces invited foreign journalists to the site of a massacre at the Kibbutz Kafar Azah, a small Israeli farming community around 750 people, just a few miles from the border with Gaza. One of the foreign journalists to visit the site was a CNN correspondent named Nick Robertson, who reported that around 70 Hamas terrorists stormed the border town on Sunday, a Saturday, beg your pardon, and were only driven, driven back by the Israeli army on Monday. So they had almost 48 hours of uninterrupted savagery, barbarism. There were so many murdered members of the kibbutz, this kibbutz, men, women, children, hands bound, shot, executed, and heads cut, end quote, came the report from CNN's Robertson. Speaking to the reporter, Israeli Major General Itai Varuv said, what I saw, hundreds of terrorists in full armor, full gear, with all the equipment and all the ability Make a, to make a massacre, a massacre. For, go from apartment to apartment, from room to room, killing babies, mothers, fathers in their bedrooms. They locked themselves inside in the protection rooms of their homes, and people were out with their children, and they killed them. They killed babies in front of their parents. Then they killed the parents. They killed parents, and then we found babies between the dogs, and the family killed before him. They cut off the heads of the people. <sighs> Nicole Zedek of the Israeli news station, I-24 News, said that they discovered the bodies of around 40 babies, some of whom had their heads decapitated. Zedek also reported that the Israeli soldiers had relayed that they were persistently delayed in their searches of the houses in the, bo- in the village by booby traps set by Hamas. Booby traps and grenades. That's all you need to know about that part of the story so that I can get you to this part of the story. I don't really care who you support. I don't really care what you think or what you feel, what your politics are, what your, what your religion is, what your ideology is. I would have to think that if anybody asked you if cutting the heads off of babies, innocent babies, young children, burning them alive, if I asked you if that was acceptable, it would take you 0.0002 seconds to say, my God, no. That is horrific. That is unconscionable. That is unacceptable. No matter what the quarrel, no matter what the reason, that's, that's just, that's, that's abhorrent. I think that's what all of us would say, or some variation thereof, in, in less than a millisecond. Of course, I don't care who you support, but of course, you cannot do that. We cannot do that. We cannot allow that. We cannot stand by while that happens, is what we would say, right? Well, it might take you less than a millisecond to answer that question, but U.S. Representative from Michigan Rashida Tlaib was asked that question for about one minute and 11 seconds straight as she walked through the halls of her congressional building. And she refused to say a word. Asked simply whether or not babies should have their heads cut off. She said nothing. 
asked simply if it is wrong to burn babies alive. She said nothing. Now, keeping in mind that you cannot spell the first name of Rashida Talib without S-H-A-R-I-A, Sharia. Knowing this, I want you to listen to this reporter. This reporter chased her through. Her name is Hillary Vaughn, Fox Business Network reporter. Chased Rashida Talib through the halls of this building for one minute and 11 seconds, asking the same question and getting absolutely no response. It's worse when you watch it, but this is radio, so you're going to have to listen to it. You will get the understand. You will understand and get the get the message. the end Sharia Tlaib and her bodyguard I guess security staffer I don't know he was the size of a of a small ox in front of her they they were doing a speed walk and I mean like practically a jog just shy of lifting the knees and jogging to get away from this reporter demanding an answer to a simple question that you heard multiple times do you support the cutting off or the chopping off of babies' heads? Can you condemn the cutting off or the chopping off of babies' heads? Do you have any comment on the cutting off or the chopping off of babies' heads? You can't say anything? Tell me how an elected member of the United States House of Representatives cannot stop and wheel around and face directly into this reporter and say, my God, no. I am Palestinian, and I support the Palestinian people. I do not support blatant murder of innocent babies. This is horrific. No. I still stand with the Palestinian people who are hoping to to return to what they believe is their homeland. She could say any amount of that that she wants. The Palestinian-Israeli conflict is going to continue, and if she wants to side with the Palestinians because she is Palestinian and she really truly believes that Israel is stolen land, occupied land, it belongs to the Palestinians, it is ancient Palestine, it is not ancient Israel, if she wants to have that fight and have that conversation, fine. But that is a conversation that needs to be had with words, not with blades or rusty shovels decapitating innocent Jewish babies. She couldn't say that. 
She wouldn't say that. At one point in this chase down, and I give Hillary Vaughn all the credit in the world for her, her relentlessness in following this speed walk through the halls to an elevator where eventually the conversation had to end. There wasn't even a conversation, but the pursuit had to end. I give her all the credit in the world, but she asked over and over and over again. Right up until the very end, by the way, in which she got to the elevator, which led to uh, her office, in which there was a Palestinian flag. And she said, "Can you, you heard the end. Why do you have a Palestinian flag outside of your office? Unless you support the terrorists. And at one point during this chase down, Rashida Tlaib did turn and glance at the reporter with what can I can only describe, I could probably freeze frame it, I can only describe as something of a smirk. She looked at her with not a smile like, you know, like a greeting kind of a, you know, uh, you know, in your face kind of thing, but not with a stoic look either because of the seriousness of the situation, but kind of a smirk like blank you. I'm not talking. How can this person be a member of the United States Congress? How can, see, I I started my monologue this morning by talking about the speaker's race, and I correctly pointed out facts, that the Republican Party is in chaos, the Republican House is a clown show because of what they have created at this horrific time, which didn't need to be created, which was done to glorify the ego of one particular member of Congress who hated the speaker so much for not probably for not doing enough to um, to defend him against uh, ethics complaints and ethics charges. And, of course, I'm talking about Matt Gates, but this isn't about that. It's about the fact that I am willing to criticize the Republican Party for not being organized enough to get their affairs in order. But it is the Democrat Party, the Demon Rat Party. Remember, there's one letter difference between Democrat and Demon Rat, and that's what they are. The Demon Rat Party will not move to expel that subhuman animal from Congress. And that's what I believe her to be. For if you cut the head off of a baby for political purposes, for your own sense of savagery, you are a subhuman animal. If you support the cutting off the head of that baby, you might as well have been the actual Axe wielder, sword wielder, wielder, knife wielder, shovel wielder, whatever it is they were using to decapitate babies. You are just as subhuman and just as animalistic, and I apologize to all animals with a sense of decency that Rashida Tlaib and the repugnant Palestinian butchers from Hamas uh, what they did was, was far worse than what animals would do. But, he, but you understand the point. <clears throat> that video of her refusing to stop and say, of course I don't support beheading babies. You know how much, how much goodwill that have fought? Just that. Just that, Sharia Tlaib. Just no, I don't think babies should have their heads cut off. That would at least pacify us to a tiny modicum. Just a, just a little bit. <clears throat> it would give us that kind of, a belief that you're human and not subhuman. But you couldn't and wouldn't do that because in reality, she supports it. As does every member of that squad. Ilhan Omar, can you imagine the reality of this? <clears throat> in your mind's eye, 
I don't know where you were when you were hearing on Saturday when you first learned about what happened uh, with the assault on Israel. And as the facts came in on Saturday and Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening and then Sunday, as we kept learning of the horrors and the atrocities, when you first heard them, you probably shuddered. Probably a physical shudder, maybe a chill. At the very least, you were glued to it and you were traumatized by, by, by the butchery you were learning was taking place, right? Try in your mind's eye to picture Sharia Tlaib watching the coverage on whatever network she chooses and learning of the atrocities, learning of the uh, raping of Israeli women, the murdering of Israeli families, the torturing of Israeli people, the beheading of Israeli children. I guarantee you, and I will never have this, my mind changed unless I see video of her with her hand over her mouth in shock and sadness. I will believe she sat there on the edge of her couch watching the coverage, her fists kind of clenched over her knees, pounding her knees and going, yes, 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 with every report of the atrocities. She loved it. That's why she couldn't even stop and pretend and tell a reporter, no, I don't support the beheading of babies. She probably loved it. She got a sense of euphoria where the rest of the world got a sense of trauma. I believe that. And that should be played on a loop everywhere until the demon rats expel her from the United States Congress. Boot her, save some sort of, of, of a shred of, 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 of decency, of ethics, of morality by excising people who supported the murder of innocent babies in the most barbaric of manners. Excise them from your caucus. Get them out of car. Do not associate with them anymore. And instead, they're backing her up. So when I criticize the Republican Party, for stupidity, for ignorance, for arrogance, for narcissism, for placating uh, egotistical members. It's deserved. But the Democrat Party is so much more than that. They are flat-out evil. They defend evil. They do not condemn evil. And that makes them, like I said, with apologies to all animals, it makes them subhuman animals. The next half hour is going to be reserved for your comments. We have interviews scheduled starting at 1010 and moving for most of the rest of the day. So uh, I would like to hear from you on Rashida Tlaib or this entire affair, the entire scenario and the ongoing um, horrific stories as they emerge from Israel. And by the way, the attacks are ongoing. There are sirens going off in Israel right now. Bomb raid sirens are going off in Israel. Meanwhile, the air assault on Gaza, of course, continues as well. We'll take your calls and talk more about it on the other side. This is Always Right Radio. Keeping you informed on the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Do you condone what Hamas has done? Chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street? You have no comment about children's heads being chopped off? She had no comment because she supported it. She looked and smirked, kind of a half smile. She supported it. She supports it. She cheered it. I guarantee you 
she cheered it as she got the news of all of these things happening. Meanwhile, she's flying that Palestinian flag outside of her office. And what do some of her colleagues say about that? Mr. Leader, should Rashida Tlaib still have the Palestinian flag? This is America. You're allowed to wear the flag that you prefer. I think she has every right to have that Palestinian flag. I'm not going to comment on Rashida. She's a great friend of mine. She's Palestinian. No, that doesn't mean she's a terrorist. It doesn't mean that she condones this. She's Palestinian. That doesn't mean she's a terrorist. It doesn't mean she, she condones this. I would agree with that. If America did something awful, um, I would still fly an American flag. But to make it clear that I was not supportive of a terrorist awful thing, I would condemn and denounce that awful terrible thing. She can be Palestinian, and she can fly that flag, but until she says, I do not support, and no Palestinian should support, the cutting off of babies' heads then I'm going to assume that that flag's existence in front of her office means that she supports the cutting off of baby's heads because that's what Palestinians did. And when she is asked directly to condemn that, she refused to do it. If you refuse to condemn that which is evil, it shall be assumed that you support that which is evil. Is that not fair? If you are, especially if you are an elected representative of the people, if they ask you to condemn something that's barbaric and evil, and you refuse to condemn that which is barbaric and evil, is it not true by extension that you support that which is barbaric and evil? Nikki Haley. This is going to get bad. It is. But we can never forget what they did to 1,200 people. They didn't just murder them. I mean, they, they tortured them. And we can see that with the beheadings and everything else. This is sick, and we have to treat sick people the way they deserve to be treated and eliminate them. Eliminate them. Not placate them. Not reason with them. Not negotiate them with them. Not have diplomacy with them. Eliminate them. All of them. Every last vestige of Hamas must be destroyed. Root and branch must be destroyed. Otherwise, a few months will go by, maybe a year, until the next horrific Hamas attack on Israel. The time has come to end this. Ralph is up first in Canton on AM 1420, The Answer. Ralph, please go ahead. I put myself in uh, that animal's position and two things. One, I would have been insulted enraged, enraged by that question. What did she do for a minute and 11 seconds? She, she stayed silent. She refused to address it. She refused to acknowledge it. That's what she did. I mean, how can you not be insulted by that? Yeah, I, I agree. Well, you know, here's the thing. You know, this was yesterday. The attack happened on Saturday. Um, the fact that she has not spoken out in any any way whatsoever con- uh, to be uh, uh, critical of and to condemn Hamas for these atrocities in three days is the reason the question had to be asked. Had she already made statements like so many others have condemning this this terrible thing, she wouldn't have had a reporter chasing her down to saying, hey, do you, what, what are you doing? You're not talking about this. So tr- in truth, I would be like you, Ralph. I would be offended that you even have to ask that. But she has no right to claim such offense because she's the one 
one who's remained silent on it. She has, she has left it an open question as to whether or not she supports the barbarism of Hamas. Well, this, this regime needed a war. They went one for two. They finally got it. What they're going to do with it uh, is they're, they're just going to use it as a uh, uh, diversion for everything that's coming next. Well, you know, here's the reality of when you talk about this regime, Ralph, and thank you for the call. Here's the reality. Um, the Biden administration was asked multiple times yesterday about refreezing the six billion dollar Iranian a- uh, assets that that you know many believe w- uh, were used to give uh, Hamas what they needed to launch this. Not necessarily using those exact dollars. We've talked about this. How money is fungible, but um, there is a around an eighteen member Republican uh, organ a group of senators. That is, that is trying to convince the White House to refreeze those assets and the State Department. And some Democrats have joined that call, including Joe Manchin and uh, John Tester from Montana. They have both joined the Republicans who are calling to refreeze those assets. The Biden administration's response to that is no. They will not refreeze those assets, even though it is well known and understood by everybody that's not responsible for giving them the $6 billion in the first place or unfreezing in the first place, that that money is being used. Jack Windsor and I did our podcast last night. It's going to be posted later today. Jack and I did our podcast, and he did a phenomenal job on camera of displaying this with with three water cups. Uh, you know, talking about guns and then humanitarian needs and so forth and filling up the, uh, you know, the water cup. Oh, you're not allowed to, and I can't really replicate it now and I'm trying to and I shouldn't. I'll stop. I'll just say watch our podcast, run it back. It's going to be posted a little bit later today on all of our social medias and Spotify. But, um, but the bottom line is we know that the money, that other monies can be used for munitions and rockets and weapons of war because that money is going to be replaced by the newly unfrozen six billion dollars. And the Biden administration is saying no. Jake Sullivan, the White House National Security Advisor, told reporters when asked if that money should be refrozen, said, quote, not a dollar of that money has been spent. In other words, that's their justification because it wasn't earmarked specifically for the purchase of these munitions and weapons of war against the Israelis. Therefore, we should leave that money alone. Nope, they're not using it for the wrong thing. It's just it's incomprehensible. Um, J.D. is in Cleveland. J.D., welcome to the show. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Congresswoman Tlaib, Allahu Akbar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that it, J.D.? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could go Mm -hmm. further, but I don't want to swear. Well, yeah, yeah, you can go as far as you want. You're right. Short of the profanity, you can go as far as you want. Um, because it, it, but doesn't it freak you? It does me. When I was watching the actual terrorists, Hamas, as they carried these things out, we got the video that they took of themselves as they were doing this all on their trucks filled with hostages and dead bodies that they were parading around chanting, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And everybody knows that means God is great. They think that they are pleasing God, or at least their version of God, which is Allah. They literally believe we are pleasing him. God is great. Look at the people we have killed. Look at the savagery we have done. And God approves of this. And that's just one of those things that will never, ever make sense to me. Bob, the last guy had a great point. 
If mm-hmm. somebody were to ask you that question, you should be insulted. The fact that she could not answer is insane. I agree with you a thousand percent. And that, that woman is nuts. And ugh. Well, I, 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 won't, I won't let her off the hook. Thank you for the call, J.D. I won't let her off the hook by saying she's nuts. See, nuts implies that's a euphemism for insane. She's not insane. She's very much in her right mind. This is what she believes. This is what they believe. This is what evil looks like. Evil isn't always excused by insanity. She is conscious of thought. She is being asked all of these times, do you you support this? Will you condemn this? You don't have any comment on this at all. That's not insanity. That is intent. That is intent. I'm not going to excuse her by saying she's nuts. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's not in her right mind. She's in her right mind. Her mind is just consumed by the same thing that consumes her heart. Evil. Uh, BJ in North Olmstead. BJ, go ahead. We are now in an undeclared war. I mean, what uh, the president said with uh, the money... Also, that North Korea sent these immense rockets to Iran, which is preparing to go and attack Israel. Uh, the anti-Semitism that's growing in our own country and spreading over in Europe is getting very intense. It's a time where people are going to have to make choices. We are in a very, very serious situation. China will now be free to attack Taiwan because... The United States is up to its neck with all kinds of concerns in the Middle East. It's a very, very troubled time and a very serious time. And our president wants to take the guns out of the hands of American citizens while the Israelis are arming over 300,000 of their own people to fight in their part of the world. So we are in a conflicted time right now. Your comments, please. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're right about that. And uh, the fact that that uh, Israel is realizing the error of its ways by not already having their citizenry armed uh, should be instructive to us right now. Um, this is why our Second Amendment is so important. And we do have a legitimate national security risk, risk here in the United States. And, and BJ, keep listening because I want to hit a couple of points here. Thank you for the call. Um, there was a back and forth on... Uh, Fox yesterday afternoon on the five. Um, my wife saw it, told me about it. I looked it up and I saw it too. Jessica Tarloff is saying that, you know, these nine million roughly illegal immigrants who have crossed into the country in the last two and a half years of the Biden administration, one and a half million known gotaways, uh, and then an unknown number of other gotaways. Um, she is say she was making a point that there is no record since 1975 through 2022 of an illegal immigrant uh, coming into this country across our southern border and committing a terrorist attack. So she said this is just fear mongering for no reason whatsoever. And Dana Perino said, "Until they do," and that is exactly the point. Because you know what we said up until 2001, we said. Nobody has ever brought foreign nationals into the United States and trained them in American flight schools to fly buildings into planes. What are you worried about? What are you talking about? Until they did. Sleeper cells by their very name 
stay dormant, stay silent, stay, you know, they like the the uh, 9-11 hijackers. They, they just kind of, you know, embedded themselves into their communities. They went out to clubs. They just made themselves appear to be normal. They lived their lives until they were activated. It's, it's like it's almost like a switch is flipped on the back of their neck. Now I'm going into terror mode. I've been called up. And I've been called to do my job for Allah, to do my part in jihad, to do my part to kill the infidels. Let's go. You don't think... I did these numbers with Jack yesterday. If you just take the 1.5 million known Godaways, okay, because we, we talked about uh, the, the number of, uh, of uh, member, uh, names on the uh, FBI's terror watch list that were caught in the last five or six years at our southern border or after coming into our country. In 2017, it was like one. In 2018, it was like zero. In 2019, it was like three. And then in 2020, it was like one. It was like like that, okay? Then the first year of Biden, 2021, there were, uh, there were 15. Then in 2022, the second year of Biden, there were 98. Now, this year, the third year of Biden, in a fiscal year that is not yet over, there have been 151. Those are just names on the terror watch list. How many of them got in? How many of them got by? If we caught 151, 300 or so in the last, or 250, whatever it is, uh, in the last uh, uh, two and a half years of the Biden administration, if those are the ones we caught, how many got through? So you take that 1.5 million number, 1.5 million known gotaways. Let's just say that 99% of them are harmless, like Jessica Tarloff wants us to believe that they all are. Let's say 90, 99% of them have no intention of committing a terror attack in the United States. Let's say 99% of them don't. What about the 1%? 1% of 1.5 million known gotaways who have come into our poorest border because they have been invited by Joe Biden to come here and scream, Asylum! I'm being persecuted in my home country! And they get to stay under the Biden regime's catch-and-release policies. What's 1% of 1.5 million? It took some work on our part because neither Jack nor I were math majors, but it came to 15,000, 15,000 out of that 1.5 million. And more coming every day because the border still hasn't been sealed. But just sticking with, how about you say, yeah, but come on. I mean, really? All right, fine. 99.5% of them are harmless. What's one half percent of the 1.5 million? 7,500 terrorists all or would-be terrorists, all sleeping, meaning lying dormant in their cells, awaiting their instructions. You don't think it can happen here because we think we're bulletproof. Didn't 9-11 show you we are not bulletproof? They think that we can't be touched. Oh, they can do that in Israel because they are not as sophisticated in their defenses as we are. And we're the greatest land in the history of the world, the greatest country. And I say that all the time, and we are. So therefore, nobody can do that kind of thing here. That couldn't happen here until it freaking happens here. And the left wants to disarm us. Biden is bringing in more and more and more of these potential terrorists every single day. These people don't just chant death to Israel. They go back and forth. Death, Death to Israel. Death to America. Death to Israel. Death to America. This is what they want. And we're not going to learn anything from what just happened in our ally in, in Israel. We're not going to learn anything. We're not going to take new national security precautions. This is unfathomable. 
Greg is calling us from uh, Mid Park. Greg, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. You know, um, terrorism is nothing but racism to the violent degree. And the left is always railing. You know, they'll stand up against uh, their perceived racism and, and speak out against it as being evil. So they'll, they'll stand up against evil if it's against, they feel it's against them. But if they perpetrate it upon their opposition, it's not evil. Because, si- you know, her silence is complicity, right? Yes, I would I say mean, that. Yeah, uh, if, you're, if you're silent, you have to speak up against racism. Remember in Seattle, they were going around neighborhoods and telling them to get out of their houses? Sure. And speak out against racism and speak out against the, the atrocities on, you know, uh, uh, minorities and the police. So, and if you didn't get out of your house, if you were silent or didn't say anything, you were complicit. You, you were, you know. Silence is violence. Of- I think, I think the slogan they use is silence is violence. Yeah. Yeah. So when Tlaib is silent, okay, she's siding with terrorism. And that, and here's the other thing too, with the, the media and their word games again. Military or militant groups don't go around chopping off babies' heads. Terrorist groups do. So they're trying to define and get, take hold of the reins of the vocabulary and to misconstrue definitions to fit yeah. their, you know, desires and their, to fit their agenda. And, uh, you really have a government now that is in our, our, country that has been infiltrated against our number one ally yeah well it is it is it has been it has been complicit for some and thank you uh for the call i appreciate it greg it is complicit in this attack there's no question about it and and again i hate to keep pointing out the same things here and to say this is all about partisan political uh, politics but but none of this crap happened under trump trump goes to israel and moves the american embassy to jerusalem as they have been requesting and American presidents have been promising for 30 years. He moved it. He recognizes Jerusalem as the official capital of Israel, as they say, rather than Tel Aviv. That stands in stark contrast to the way Obama treated Israel and the way uh, Biden is treating Israel, particularly because both of those Democrat presidents that bookended Trump in the middle gave Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terror, billions and billions of dollars. How can we not say this regime is is complicit in this? I agree with you. Um, my friend Eli, I know him as Eli the Key Guy from Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Eli, good morning. Go ahead, sir. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Eli. Well, um, I've, I've been better, Eli, but I understand your point, yeah. your question. Go ahead, sir. You know, I want to back up the conversation a little bit because there was a lot of time spent talking about why are we worrying about all these people crossing the border um, is that really where the question should be? Is there a reason why you're supposed to just allow millions of people into this country without any type of process? Have they ever done that before? So does it really have to matter whether they're as criminal as we're afraid they may be? But, you know, getting back to the other part of Israel, mm-hmm. what they've done to Israel is they forced them into many, many situations and agreements that were really not in their best interest. And the supposed claim was that they would make sure that their security was guaranteed. And as the minute things go wrong, they start blaming Israel for everything that's going on. And they don't protect them at all. 
No, no, you're you're hundred percent right. That is exactly what they do. They you know they allow Israel to take the blame for all of this. And the worst part about it is, is they're doing it in broad daylight. They're doing it with eyes open. Everyone is watching. Everyone knows what Hamas's game is. Everybody knows how they can demonize Israel by hiding among us amongst the civilian population in Gaza and then daring the Israelis to come and get them. And when the Israelis do, then the Israelis are blamed. The Jews are blamed. They're the ones who are the savages because look at all of the innocent women and children who were killed in Gaza. They demonize Israel at every turn and every opportunity. Meanwhile, Israel continues to be the victim. Yeah, and regardless of the fact that, hey, guys, I got news for you. If you wouldn't be attacking Israel, they wouldn't have to fight back. And then, presto, no women and children would be getting killed on your side. Yep, very, very, very well said. Eli, uh, thank you for calling, my friend. God bless you. Uh, I know you're very passionate about this. Obviously, you've got very close ties and friends and family in Israel. Uh, I wish you and uh, all of your family and those close to you great blessings uh, and uh, and strength. Uh, trust in God. Thank you, Eli. We'll take a time out here. It's top of the hour. Um, I know you've got more to say on this, and I will get your calls in. I, we'll take some next half hour. I do have a guest coming up here at the top of the hour. We will have time before the bottom of the hour to take your calls. I want to hear from more people about this uh, this ongoing atrocity in Israel. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, seven minutes after 10 o'clock as we get into hour number two on this uh, Wednesday. It's the 11th morning of the 10th month, year of our Lord, 2023. Um, we've uh, made an editorial decision here and called an audible. We're going to push the interview we had scheduled um, for this half hour to uh, another day because I want to stay on this topic with you because it's so extraordinarily important. We still do have a couple of other conversations to have. Lawrence Jones from uh, Fox News and Fox and & Friends has a new book out that I do want to discuss. He is also very, very knowledgeable about the situation in Israel, so we'll continue that conversation with him. That's at 1035. So we'll talk about that and his new book, but I do want to spend this next half hour with you. So if you um, hung up because you thought you weren't going to get on, go ahead and call back now. If you're still on hold, stay there. I'm coming. 216-901-0945. I want to take our country to task for just a moment um, in, in, just a, in, in kind of an interesting way. Um, not all of our country, but enough of our country that silences those who support Israel. I've got stories here. Actor Josh Gad who is well-known for um, the voice of Olaf in the Disney film Frozen. I never saw it, so whatever, doesn't matter. He's well-known. He was raised Jewish. He spoke out against the terror attacks by Hamas that we've been discussing for three days now. And he has been publicly attacked and shamed for daring not to support the Palestinian people. He is being uh, attacked online by scores of people who, who, who dare him uh, or say to him, how dare you support the Zionists and support the Israelis. The Israelis were victim to the tune of some 1,200 dead, 3,400 wounded, a couple hundred or more taken hostage in the most barbaric and brutal ways possible, and they're attacking him for expressing support for Israel, not just him. Kylie Jenner. Now, I could give two blanks 
about the entire Kardashian uh, Jenner uh, families and their goofy shows that they've had. I've never watched a second of any of them, and I'm pretty proud of that. But Kylie Jenner is a very public figure. Kylie Jenner wrote an Instagram post supporting Israel. Kylie Jenner received so much hate and backlash daring for daring to support Israel, she deleted the post. Don't get involved in politics and say that you support Israel. Palestine has been suffering for ages. This is one example. Are you even human if you are with Zionists? She was so upset with her 400 million Instagram followers, the scores of attacks that she got for daring to support Israel and to say, I stand with Israel, she took it down. That's the country as we know it now. There is such a massive outsized voice um, of, of the radicals and the extremists. And those who are, I'm sorry, you're, if, you, if you dare say you stand with the attackers, you have a bloodlust within you that reveals your evil heart. And, and, and people are bowing to those people. These celebrities are bowing to those people. I'll give you an example. Harvard, everybody's been talking about it. Everybody knows about the Harvard story, right? Harvard University, 31 different uh, student organizations at Harvard crafted a letter condemning Israel, blaming Israel for everything that has happened and supporting and defending the Palestinians and Hamas which is the militant terrorist arm of the Palestinians. Well, what does this say about where our country is right now? When the morals and morality can be dictated between a pornography peddler and one of the most elite and and arguably most prestigious universities in America and have the pornography peddler be on the side of morality. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Playboy. Playboy has a relationship with a former porn star named Mia Khalifa. Mia Khalifa is Palestinian. Mia Khalifa issued some statements in the last 48 to 72 hours that are absolutely grotesque. Grotesque. Not only not uh, supporting Israel, not only not condemning uh, Hamas, but openly praising the attacks. That's what Mia Khalifa has done. Playboy has issued a stronger statement in support of Israel and in condemnation of the terror attacks than Harvard. Dear Creator Community, we are writing today to let you know of our decision to terminate Playboy's relationship with Mia Khalifa, including deleting Mia's Playboy channel on our Creator platform. Over the past few days, Mia has made disgusting and reprehensible comments celebrating Hamas's attacks on Israel and the murder of innocent men, women, and children. At Playboy, we encourage free expression and constructive political debate, but we have a zero-tolerance policy for hate speech. We expect Mia to understand that her words and actions have consequences. We included the letter we shared with Mia below. And I won't read the rest of it to you because the point is made. In this age of our country in 2023, issues of morality and decency, we find Playboy stronger and better than our most revered elite academic institution, Harvard. 
Think about that. The smut peddlers have a have a, a a deeper sense of decency, a heart more so than than Harvard, which is going to be producing the future leaders of every aspect of this country. Now, one more quick point before I go back to calls. I did an interview for my upcoming TV show that starts on October 24th. It's an interview show, and I did a, a long form interview uh, with. Um, with uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, I, I rec- recorded it yesterday. It'll be one of the first ones that we air um, on uh, on October 24th, and we were discussing this issue, and we were discussing how um, what the elite institutions are doing to intentionally keep conservatives out. Um, the COVID mandates on campuses. The COVID mandates. And Dr. Malone talked about this, too. I also interviewed Dr. Robert Malone in a long form, about a 90-minute interview for for this upcoming program. And what they're saying is that the COVID mandates on college campuses were not just because they were worried about spreading of COVID. But on college campuses, they knew that conservative-minded students would not wear masks or would not take those shots. And it was intentional to put those in place to keep them the hell off campus because they don't want them there. They don't want them in the classes. They don't want them sharing different points of view that would get in the way of the indoctrination and the ideological um, you know, cesspool that these universities have become. And the reason why is because they don't want, because when somebody graduates from Harvard or Yale or one of the Ivy League schools or one of these other prestigious left-wing universities, you graduate with, you have that degree after your name or on your resume, you are going to become a, a real, true thought leader in the world, in the United States. Like I said, in corporate America, in legal America, uh, in political America, these are the people who are going to lead in the future. And they don't want conservative minds graduating with that degree on their resume. Oh, it's a Harvard man. So let's, let's hire the Harvard man because they'd want that Harvard man might actually be conservative if they let them on campus. So the reason they started banning them by way of COVID and other things is simply to stop them from having opportunities at future careers in which they might impact or influence the United States of America in a positive way in terms of capitalism, constitution, protection of of people law and order um borders defined and so forth they don't want any of those leaders in the near or distant future to exist so they're trying to keep them out of the schools by by uh, uh you know imposing regulations and restrictions that they know conservative students would not abide by so my point here is as i bring this back full circle harvard supported the terrorists playboy opposed the terrorists and Harvard is going to crank out more of these repugnant, reprehensible, disgusting, left-wing savages. And that's what you are if you support the terrorists. You're a savage. You're not a human. You're a savage. You're subhuman. That's what they're going to do is crank out more of those people. Okay. Sally and Bria next. Sally, go ahead. My call was actually regarding these student organizations at Harvard and many other colleges. Uh, Mark Levin gave a uh, website, jcpa.org, with information about it. But bottom line, these groups are subversive. They actually support an intifada here in the USA, which means that they should be banned from all colleges just on the basis of subversion 
And it scares me, all these public demonstrations in New York and even in Cleveland, where they're brazen and they're not afraid to, um, you know, publicize this. It, it horrifies and scares me. Thanks, Bob. You got it. Thank you. Uh, and it does me, too. It does me, too. It's uh, it's it's sad and scary to think about the fact that we actually do have people uh, like that in our midst. I told you Seth Williams saw these people down by the West Side Market, this uh, big crowd of, of pro-Palestinian people uh, waving the Palestinian flag and cheering the murder and the savage rape and torture of innocent people simply because of their ethnicity, because they're Jews, and because they live on a land that they want to take from them. It's just... Uh, yeah, it scares me too, Sally. And you know what? If you're not scared, you're not doing life right. Watching what we are watching in real time coming from Israel should scare you because it is not going to be limited to Israel if we don't act. You understand that? And it will be repeated in Israel if actions are not taken. And I'm talking about, again, the full-on root and branch destruction of Hamas. And Hezbollah, too. Hezbollah, same exact thing. Go north, northern Israel. They're launching rockets from Lebanon, from Hezbollah, into uh, uh, into northern Israel as well. Wipe them all out. Eliminate them from the face of the earth. And I don't care. I'm not sorry. Uh, you can't reason. You can't negotiate with people like that. The only thing they understand is death. Um, let's go to uh, Tracy. Tracy in Strongsville, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Um, back to Tlaib, I, you know, how many times was, was Trump asked if he condemned racism? If he would have smirked and walked away, he had oh. to answer that question every time. He, it, to me, it seemed like anyway, that he was on the stage or doing a press conference. I mean, he had to just go over and over and over that I condemn racism. I condemn racism. She, she smirked. Can you imagine if Trump did that? No, no, I can't. You know, people always say, that's what about ism. But okay, so what? Call it what about ism. Let's get the real answer. What would they do if something savage like this happened and Trump refused to condemn it and walked away, walked away, walked away, turned and smirked and kept walking? They would have said Trump offers support for terrorists mm-hmm. because he refused, you know, silence is violence. So if you refuse to speak out and condemn the violence, that means you tacitly support it. Go ahead. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. If there, right now, there is the greatest argument to be made by the right the second amendment if they are ever in a debate up on that stage they have one response israel that's all they say when you if they say we need to ban guns and do this they're all they have to say is israel i mean they those people they called civilians bob to to protect themselves the only way you can protect yourself is if you're armed yeah, and civilians weren't armed until now. They do, they're arming civilians now, and they're also calling up uh, uh, like some 300,000, the largest force that they have called up to the IDF, that's the Israeli Defense Forces, uh, since since 1948, since their existence. Uh, so they are literally on in an all-hands-on-deck approach, and that means they have to arm their citizens. So what does that tell the United States? Do we have to wait until another horrific attack happens before we say, okay, we'll let our arm our citizens? Um, or, or are we, you know, we going to continue to stop uh, supporting the Second Amendment? Every other day, I see Kamala Harris on the uh, uh, on Twitter talking about we must restart the uh, you know the assault weapon ban weapons ban you mm-hmm. know guns guns kill more children than anything else well let's get rid of guns it's just constant the drumbeat from the American left there's a well, reason why our like... founders knew what they were doing these people have it's... no idea the founders knew that's why that Second Amendment is there we have people pouring through the border like you said we don't know who they are we know we know darn well that there's terrorist cells coming through there right if this type of thing can happen in Israel. It could happen here. Maybe I'm not on that scale. And if you're talking about children, well, I mean, 
There were just babies and children that were beheaded. I, sure. It hurts me to even say that. Beheaded, not shot, beheaded. Okay, so children can be killed in any means necessary by evil. We have a right to protect our children. We have a right to protect ourselves. We have a right to protect our neighbors. Yeah. That's our God-given right in the Second Amendment. You're spot on, Tracy. Thank you for the call. You know what SIAs are, right? I think we all do. Special interest aliens? Special interest aliens is a category uh, designated for those who cross our border and uh, try to get in here illegally from mostly Middle Eastern countries. SIAs in the last two years have skyrocketed in the same way that the those on the terror watch list have. I gave you the terror watch list numbers before, right? Here's the SIAs over the last two years in the Brandon administration. 538 from Syria, 139 from Yemen, 659 from Iran, 123 from Iraq, 6,386 from Afghanistan. 164 from Lebanon. And we can go to Egypt, Pakistan, Mauritania, Uzbekistan, and, and, and Turkey. It doesn't matter. We, all of these things are just extraordinary. But these people are coming to the United States. And if you think they're coming here to celebrate freedom and capitalism and embrace, you know, the, uh, 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 you know, the faith, the faith of the country, meaning the, uh, you know, the freedom to practice your religion as you wish and not to come here and impose jihad on us then you just are, like I said, you're playing a losing game. You better know why they're here. Not all of them, of course. There's nothing that's universal about this, but but a significant portion of them, they are not here to, to embrace our culture. They're here to impose their culture. Joe in Westlake next. Hi, Joe, go ahead. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Joe. Hamas has committed the worst crime since 9-11, arguably even worse based on percentage of population. Hamas definitely has to go. But here's the thing. You know, how do we do that and what comes next? Because a war without an endpoint is a war that's leading to World War III, just as Trump just warned us. So how we do that is we avoid the ISIS dynamic. What is the ISIS dynamic? That's a situation when a group is in a kind of like captive condition for whatever reason, and then cycles within the group create a kind of prison gang and attempt to maintain power and get new members by orchestrating yet more violence between the two groups. That's what ISIS did. That's what Hamas is doing now. Obviously, they knew Israel would greatly retaliate. Why did they do that? It's not only to make Israel look bad. It's also to give, give themselves continuing power in the chaotic conditions. So how, we, how does Israel prevent that? Two, two ways. To solve the fundamental problem of non-citizenship of Gazans by offering citizenship to those who cooperate fully and avoid the ISIS dynamic by avoiding group punishment of non-Hamas Gazans. I think that's uh, that's a very fair analysis, and I think that's a very reasonable um, a method of operation here to to advance forward. Joe, I thank you for the phone call. You're right uh, on addressing the problem and identifying the problem, and I think those are two things that Israel can do. Thank you, my friend. TJ in Cleveland next. Hi, TJ. Go ahead. Charlie in Brownhill next. Are you there, Charlie? Charlie, are you there? Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Charlie. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. These aren't a bunch of rogue people. They were. This was a strategy to kill babies and con, uh, do as much terror as possible 
so that there would be a strong reaction. They're trying to get an escalation, maybe up to world war. They, they have a plan and this is a plan. And if, I don't know if we fall into it, but if they destroy Gaza, there's going to be other countries joining in. And, you know, that's their strategy. It's, it's about terror and horror in order to accomplish something. It's and a by they, by, by, by they, Charlie, you mean what? The, the Palestinians, the Hamas. Okay. This is, they, they want some sort of, you know, return of uh, the sheep. So they're the, willing. The so they're willing to sacrifice their own lives. You're saying in order to start a larger war because other Muslims or Arabs in the region would would uh, would would respond to the elimination of Gaza or the destruction of Gaza. Yeah, the destruction of Gaza, in order as a point, in order to get this uh, this world war thing going, they want they want the end of the world. This is a, a, a plan. They didn't just go out and kill babies. They were ordered to kill babies. This is. This is a strategy. It's a stick strategy. It's kind of like Apocalypse Now when uh, Marlon Brando said that there was a, arm, uh, a pile of baby arms. Same thing. They're trying to, to get us to react. Uh, we are reacting. Well, I'm well reacting, yeah, but... and that's the and that's the thing that makes what you're saying, you know, difficult. And thank you, Charlie, for the call. Uh, so difficult because you know w- what they're doing is is assuring themselves of their own destruction. They have to know that the IDF, the the Israeli forces, are going to do exactly what they pledged to do. What Netanyahu said: we are going to, we are going to strike back um, in ways that will will reverberate throughout history. And I'm paraphrasing that a little bit but i remember he said something to that effect in other words we will destroy every element of gaza or excuse me of hamas in gaza so if they were willing to do this to start a world war to bring other uh muslims and muslim countries and arab countries to the fight then that means they were willing to sacrifice themselves in order to do it um, which of course does fit in the line uh you know fit in with the uh, uh you know with the methodology of jihad uh, it's the same thing a suicide bomber does. Sacrifice my life in advance of the cause for Allah. That's what they believe. So I do understand exactly what you're saying, Charlie. Thank you. We'll take a time out now, bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to Lawrence Jones from Fox News next. We'll talk about Israel. We'll also talk about his book, uh, American Man, and the uh, attack on uh, masculinity. That's coming up. Stay- Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, it's 1035. We are scheduled to have a conversation with Lawrence Jones from Fox News about uh, Israel and about his new book. Uh, we're not making that contact at the moment, though. So uh, as long as that connection is uh, dead, uh, we will talk to you. And uh, we'll get you right back up and on the radio, 216-901-0945. I know everybody hung up when I told you we had an interview coming, but you can call back now and we can get you up because uh, this interview may not happen. These things are always tough when somebody's on a book tour. They're doing interviews in different cities and markets, and sometimes they run long and they can't make their uh, scheduled time. So it happens. Uh, not a big deal. Um, if he calls, we'll get him on. If he doesn't call, we don't make that connection. Then we'll just talk together. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. And we are still discussing, uh, uh, what happened in Israel. By the way, a previous caller mentioned, um, that this is far away. I can't remember who. We had a lot of great, great messages so far this morning. But somebody called and said, um, <clears throat> on a percentage, maybe it may have been Joe. And Wesley, uh, based on a percentage of population, 
what just happened in Israel is worse than 9-11 was here. As a matter of fact, for it to be equivalent, and again, I didn't do the numbers in the math myself, but I read this, that having roughly 1,200 Israelis killed out of a population of roughly 7 million, uh, 7 million in Israel, to match that here in the United States, a population of 330 million people, we would have had to have had 35,000 deaths on 9-11. And as horrific and, you know, shocking and and unfathomable as it was that we lost nearly 3,000, try to imagine this country's shock and this country's horror if we had lost 35,000 on that day. Right? Uh, And again, you know, one life lost to terror is too much. Don't get me wrong. This is not to minimize our suffering and our tragedy. I think everybody who listens to me every year for the last 22 years uh, since 9-11 on that day on my radio program knows how I feel about that day and that date. So this is not to minimize that. But again, if you thought we were shocked and horrified and saddened at at 3,000 deaths, try to multiply that by a factor of, say, 12 and get up to 36,000 deaths. That's what Israel's going through. 1,200 Israelis out of a population of 7 million is is is, is that kind of a uh, percentage scale. And that's pretty stunning, and it's pretty hard to, to understand. Um, I remember, and by the way, this is totally off topic, it's just an aside, when we first learned um, of the attack on the World Trade Center when it happened on our 9-11, um, at the time of day, from what I recall, the you know 846 is when the first tower was hit, and then uh, 901 was the second, or 902. Um, there's normally around 50,000 people working in those buildings. And I remember at the time um, saying and hearing people on the news say that there could be, you know, as many as 30 or 40 or 50,000 people killed in the World Trade Center. Um, it's only a testament to the first responders and the firefighters and the, um, and some of the heroes up in the, in the actual, uh, towers themselves, you know, employees and workers who managed to facilitate an incredible evacuation of those buildings, uh, before they came down, getting so many people out. It could have been, you know, 30 or 40,000 people. But as it turns out, because of the heroism of so many, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't get to that number, but just imagine that it had. Imagine that those buildings were full when they were hit and went down. Um, that's what Israel is dealing with right now, just to kind of try to clarify that. And then, again, if you're calling, I'll get to your phone calls in a moment at 216-901-0945, but to follow up on the part about, you know, 9-11 and what happened after that, I, I mentioned this to Kirsten on yesterday's show, but I want to get a little more depth to give a little more depth to it now because we have the opportunity. Daniel Horowitz, our friend from um, uh, Conservative Review and the Blaze Media and others, <clears throat> Daniel, uh, who of course is Jewish, wrote a piece um, about not Israel suffering specifically, but of what is in store for us because of what we did after 9-11. I want to read a portion of this to you. Daniel writes, we brought this crap into our country in untold numbers. After 9-11, our government had a brilliant idea. 
As the mass migration from Islamic countries grew, coinciding with the rise of high-tech jihad, we responded to the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon by doubling and then tripling our intake from the most dangerous countries in the world. Millions of Middle Eastern immigrants later, how many cells do we have in this country of people who share the demonic sentiments of those who murdered and raped hundreds of Israelis, now we know over a thousand, over the weekend in the Hamas invasion from Gaza? During the 1990s, I was always stunned watching videos of thousands of belligerent Islamists rampaging through the streets of Europe, not the Middle East, Europe, shouting death to Israel every time there was a flare-up in Israel. Looking ominously across the pond, I was always thankful we didn't have that problem in the United States. Then came 9-11, and we realized that for far too long we had imported the problem to our shores. The pro-Hamas rallies began to grow over time, but were still relatively small. This weekend was different. We witnessed belligerent and often violent pro-Hamas rallies in many major cities, with thousands of people rivaling what we've seen in Europe in recent years. And then Daniel shows a picture and a video of a pro-Hamas march in Chicago where the worst of humanity shouted, Long live the Intifada, and recognized that we brought Gaza to our shores. Major demonstrations also took place outside the White House, in New York City, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Seattle, and even a smaller town like Kirkland, Washington. I'll stop there and ask you what those towns that I just listed and that Daniel reported on here um, with links to their their demonstrations, what they all have in common. You can probably figure that out. What they have in common is an overwhelming number of the same party that Rashida Tlaib belongs to and that defended her Palestinian flag out of her office and defended her for not answering questions about whether or not she supports or condemns beheading of babies. She refused to answer. That's the party. They won't expel her from Congress. They won't censure her. They won't do anything to her. They support her, and that means they support the same thing she does. The beheading of babies by radical, wild, animalistic, subhuman savages in Hamas. There are many more of these, going back to the article, planned for this week. In some places, such as Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and San Diego, pro-Israel demonstrators were assaulted by the pro-Hamas demonstrators. These rallies are no longer composed of a handful of newly imported jihadist sympathizers together with a dozen leftist agitators with bullhorns, some of these number in the thousands. This part of the war on terror has been obfuscated by the media and the government for two decades for a reason. They don't want you to know we're issuing green cards to over 100,000 nationals of predominantly Muslim countries every year. Let me say that line again. They don't want us to know they're giving green cards to 100,000 nationals over of predominantly Muslim countries every single year. I haven't run the numbers in several years, Daniel writes, but from 2001 to 2018, we have issued roughly 2.3 million green cards to nationals of Muslim countries. The United States brought in uh, more just in a five-year period than the entire Muslim population of Belgium, 
which has become saturated with radical Islamic elements. We never did this at all in our history. But now, thanks to the diversity visa lottery and the chain migration program, these numbers are growing exponentially. Obviously, not everyone from those countries poses a threat or even shares the jihadist ideology, but far too many of them do. What did I say earlier in the last hour? If 1.5 million gotaways, if 99.5% of them are not um, jihadists and are not here to be part of sleeper cells to commit terror attacks within the United States, well, that means one half of a percent of them are. That's 7,500 would-be terrorists. It took 19 to bring down the towers and the Pentagon and what would have been had the heroes on 93 not stopped them, you know, the Capitol or the White House. It took 19 to do that. Common sense dictates that when you bring people in gradually in small numbers, patriotic assimilation will kick in. But when you allow so many in so quickly, you wind up sharing the destiny of our brethren in Europe and other Western countries in decline. Math doesn't lie. It's impossible that we are not importing a jihadist mentality in large numbers, and the street images validate our worst suspicions. As we look portentously toward the situation in Israel, let's not forget that Israel has strategically been the canary in the coal mine since biblical times. Suicide bombings, vehicular jihad may have begun there, but those practices were imported to the West thanks to suicidal policies. How many of these potential terrorists are already in our cities? And that's just who we let in through the front door. What about the millions of mostly military-age males pouring over the border? Unlike with Gaza, terrorists don't need paragliders to enter the U.S. Biden's Homeland Security Department will escort them into our communities, first class. And he's right. Which would then bring me to one other point. And we talked about this again with Pete a little bit yesterday. Knowing that these massive demonstrations of hundreds if not thousands of pro-Hamas Palestinians and other Arabs and Muslims are happening in the big cities that I just mentioned, including Cleveland, because and I'll ask Seth to tell me more about it in a moment, but knowing that they're here and knowing that they're doing this, doesn't it beg the question of are they being watched, surveilled, identities gathered, license plates, Recorded the way they do conservative Americans at school board meetings? You understand the point, right? Biden has declared conservative, particularly white people, because he likes to say white supremacists and white nationalists, are the biggest threat to to safety and security of the homeland. As such, he has weaponized his Department of Justice all the way through the law enforcement arm of that department, which means the FBI, to surveil and watch and intimidate and scare um, conservative white people away from doing anything that might get them the attention of the FBI, such as speaking out against radical policies like critical race theory or critical gender theory in our schools by going to school board meetings and so forth. What I want to know is are the FBI agents who have been tasked with protecting the homeland by investigating um, mama bears at school board meetings, are they monitoring these, these rallies? These are people cheering 
and chanting death to Israel, death to America, flying the Palestinian flag, flipping off cameras of those who are watching them, saying, we don't care, we support the slaughter in Israel. If those people support the slaughter in Israel, they support the slaughter in the United States because our, our, our allied relationship between, the, between us is, is obviously unbreakable. And those who wish death to Israel also say death to America. These people are here right now. How many? How many thousands? Over a million? Is the FBI even watching? Just last week, Newsweek reported that the FBI is targeting Trump supporters, not Palestinian celebrators of uh, Hamas violence, Trump supporters as domestic terrorists ahead of the 2024 election. The universal line from the Biden uh, regime is that domestic terrorism and its all of its aliases, all of which are used as code for political right-wingers, are the number one threat to national security. That's where the FBI's attention is. I wonder if they're diverting any of those resources to the pro-Hamas rallies, the people that actually celebrate terrorism rather than those who oppose it. Um, Sister Mary Grace is in Cleveland. Uh, Sister Mary Grace, go right ahead. I love all of you, all of you, and your show especially. I pray for you all the time, and by the grace of God, I'm here to witness the atrocity that happened there. But don't think it won't happen here. And that's what I was so, you know, and this is such a, it's a knife to my heart. I know so many beautiful Jewish people, and they're such fine citizens, and it's just egregious. It's beyond that. It is beyond that. I'm trying not to cry, but I was sobbing all weekend when I heard it. And I was just like, oh, God, that could happen to us. That could happen to us. And that's what they want. But there is, we need a militia, and it's called strategic civics. And we need that Second Amendment. And I would say to the Lord, Protect our babies. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Well, let me, um, let me um, give you a little relief here and, and, and let you cry that out, uh, Sister Mary Grace. Uh, thank you for the call. Um, yeah, your heart should hurt, and particularly, I think, and this is why I opened the show today with the part about the, the, the innocence. Now, all people who are attacked who are civilians are innocents. And that's I-N-N-O-C-E-N-T-S, meaning more than one innocent. They ha- they are innocent people. But when it's babies, it takes on a different, you know, significance. Um, and the beheading of babies, the burning of babies, and so forth, the things we have learned of. If if it doesn't make you cry, you're not human. So feel free to, to express your emotion. As to your larger point is, it can happen here. You, you better believe it can. It absolutely can. And it makes me wonder. Would you be prepared if a terrorist organization started going house to house and apartment to apartment in our cities and communities, in your neighborhood, um, and slaughtering families? I guarantee you that 
despite the constant threat of rocket attacks that the Israelis live with because of their you know the proximity to the Gaza Strip and and where the uh, you know Hamas and Hezbollah terrorists are, um, they didn't think it would come to this house to house, apartment to apartment, slaughtering people in the most barbaric of ways. And I guarantee you they wish that they had been armed to be able to defend their families. So it makes makes me want to ask you this. Are you armed in your home? And if you are not, does this not make you pause and think it's time to arm up? Now you say, well, what are the odds that what happened in Israel are going to happen in the United States? Probably not as not great, but... But what are the odds it's going to happen in my state as opposed to, you know, New York and California? And so, okay, yeah, that lowers the odds a little bit. And then if it is my state, what are the odds it's in my city? And if, you know, even if that's not great either, what are the odds if it's in my city but it comes to my neighborhood? Fine. You can minimize the threat all you want in your own mind. You can justify it as much as you want in your own mind. But if this didn't teach you that you had better be ready to protect yourself and your family from threats, whether they be terror threats like these, or just random, ordinary American street criminals who have been running wild in cities in which they are not being prosecuted, police officers are understaffed, police departments are understaffed, they can't protect you anyway, are you prepared to defend your family in the event of a case like this? or similar to this. I wonder how many more Americans are scrambling to the gun shops right now because they are seeing this. And I will tell you this, if you're not, you should probably rethink that strategy. Arm yourself, arm your family, protect yourselves. And by the way, let me me throw this one other monkey in the wrench here, if you will. They don't have to come to your house or your apartment and do this in that manner. 260 or so of the 1,200 victims in Israel of this barbarism were at a concert, a a music event, a rave, they called it, celebrating and having a good time in a large crowd. So I'll ask you, how many Indians games do you go to? Going to any Cavaliers games, Browns games, concerts at Blossom, concerts at the at the Rocket Mortgage, going to any plays down a playoff square. You gather in large crowds, don't you? Those are targets, aren't they? So again, I'll ask you, are you arming yourself? Are you CCW? Are you ready and prepared to defend yourself? Because if you don't think this can happen here, I'll remind you that we all thought it couldn't happen here until September 11, 2001, when it happened here. I'll be right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? 
Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, seven minutes after 11 o'clock now. Deep breaths, deep breaths. We're trying to keep uh, track of all of the news here. Uh, It is uh, Wednesday, the 11th morning of the 10th month, year of our Lord, 2023. We've called another audible. I have decided to bump yet another interview. We were supposed to talk to Billboard Chris today. And uh, we have asked him kindly to reschedule to next week because the Israel, uh, Palestine slash America, uh, you know, in Palestine, I use that term loosely, too, because that's not an actual defined location. But at any rate, the Israeli Hamas conflict, the, the, the war, technically it's not a war, it's a massacre that, that happened and now it's a war. But uh, it's going to preempt all of the other interviews. So uh, apologies for for that. If you're looking forward to that conversation, we'll try to bring it to you next week. This is um, two important days, though. I said this at the top of the show. This day is too important for two reasons, rather. Um, Republicans are trying to get their act together on the House floor today to elect a new speaker after they bumped uh, Kevin McCarthy in one of what I think is the most unnecessary moves in recent memory. And that is not because I'm a big Kevin McCarthy fan, but it's just an unnecessary shot in the foot that the Republican parties have engaged in here. They shot themselves in the foot and created chaos where chaos did not need to be for what I think is a very, very small payoff. Even if we get Jim Jordan, even if we get Jim Jordan as the new speaker, it's a small payoff because the numbers are still the numbers. You can have a great conservative leader like Jim Jordan as the speaker, which they're going to decide on today, and you still have a very tiny, razor-thin majority in the House and no majority at all in the Senate. So legislation, spending bills, all of it still come down to the numbers. So I don't think it was worth the payoff. The juice isn't worth the squeeze here. But having said that, it's done. What's done is done. And now it's either Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan, and they're working on that right now in Congress. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I don't think it'll get uh, settled today. I do not. Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise are going to have a lot of support from two different factions of the Republican conference, and there's probably going to be a stalemate there, and I don't think we're going to have ourselves a majority anytime soon. But that's happening today. And then the other reason why today is a big day and an important day, and again, deep breaths here as we try to keep track of all of the news, is because uh, today is the first day for early voting. I'm going to make my my um, football game metaphor one more time, then I will go to your phone calls on Israel and on everything we're discussing. But the football game metaphor is the one to me that works. I need you to think of Election Day, November 7th, as the two-minute warning of a football game. Close game, two-minute warning. You hope to score some points in the two-minute war- uh, after the two-minute warning, I should say, to win the game at the very end. But there has never been a team that won a game after the two-minute warning where they've been trailing by four touchdowns. 
you have to have put some points on the board in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter to even make the two-minute warning matter. If you get boat raced in the first four quarters, if the other team is up 56-7 to going into the two-minute warning, it's meaningless. You need to score in the first quarter, second quarter, and fourth quarter. Third quarter, fourth quarter. So the metaphor, of course, works here because there's four weeks of early voting. Today is the start of the first quarter. We need to put points on the board in the first week. Go vote today at your board of elections. Vote no. Remember, put the no back in November. No on issue one. No on issue two. It's extremely important. Go vote today. And then tomorrow, I need more people to go and vote no tomorrow and on Friday and on Saturday if your board is open. We need to put points on the board in the first quarter. Then when the first week is over, we need to put points on the board in the second quarter, and you follow it the rest of the way. If you wait until Election Day, it's trying to make up a massive deficit after the two-minute warning, and it will fail, just like we failed to pass the threshold amendment increase uh, in, uh, or the amendment threshold increase in, uh, in August. So do not wait. Take advantage of early voting opportunities now, and we must do this for four quarters before we get to Election Day on November 7th. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. 216-901-0945, Tanya is in Akron. Tanya, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, I was just calling to say that you're totally right. We need to make sure that we're armed because that's our constitutional right. Make sure that our we know our neighbors, okay, because that's why they got mad about the the story, the song, in a small town, because right. they're going to come after us. Right. Everything that we've been talking about for the last three years have come to fruition. They don't want us to have rights over our children and what they learn in school, so they're not getting correct history. The abortion movement. Anyone that can cry and say that they are upset about anything, we can't give them parental rights. We can't give them a, a right to kill our children in the womb or after they come out of the come out of the womb. And we can't allow on um, this election to have more of our youth and middle aged adults going around smoking marijuana that makes them lazy, makes them unconcerned about what's going on in culture, what's going on in their lives. So we have so many things that we have to start thinking about. And I told my son and I told my daughter, I, I am locked and loaded, but I need to have more because I, you know, when I saw what they were doing, entering those uh, houses in Israel, it only took if it would have been six bullets, <laughs> somebody would have been gone. You know what I'm saying? I do. You know, they just walked in freely. And if you in this one community that they don't talk about much on the news is that there was a community that was armed and they were not penetrated. Because cowards do not want to have to really fight. No. And uh and now Israel is doing something that, you know, they're amending their right to carry, but they have so many uh, exceptions to it. 
we need to no longer give any more leeway to them saying that we have to have any exceptions to what God has given us the right to protect ourselves and our Constitution has given us the right to protect ourselves. And if anybody has a problem with that, then they need to be on the first boat out of this country. I think the other thing we need to talk about is find people, extract people, and return them to their country of origin. That should be number one. Any that came over here illegally. I don't care if that's old men, old women, young babies. They have no right to be in this country. We can't have close to 5 million people who are not being in, uh, that don't, that have come across illegally in this country because we cannot have them understand what it means to be an American citizen. And it's time for everybody to make a decision. What are you first? You know, you may have a your Christianity, but your citizenship right now is an American, and we need to protect that. Yeah, Tanya, that's a great that's a great call. There's a lot of great messages there. I want to and thank you for the call. I want to follow up on uh, one of your points there about um, repatriating or um, deporting people who are here illegally right now in deference to national security. Uh, I'll repeat this from Bernie Marino, who's, of course, running for Senate. Um, He put this out on Monday as a press release, very early Monday morning, and I actually got a hold of it on Sunday night, and I shared it as quickly as I could because I agree with every word of it. And it's very similar to what you just said, Tanya. So let's all listen to this briefly. Um. As have many Americans, our family has been praying for our ally Israel. We have been horrified by the barbaric terrorist attacks perpetrated by the radical Islamic jihadists. Israel has a right to defend itself and aggressively fight back against this act of war perpetrated against innocent civilians. We stand with Israel today and always. Given the horrific, I'm sorry, horrifying images we have seen in Israel, America must take action immediately to protect our nation. Iran's leaders and the terrorists chant death to Israel and death to America. We must prepare to secure America and be proactive, not reactive. We must urgently do the following. And this is where it comes, Tanya. Suspend all asylum applications through December of 2025. This means anyone coming to the U.S. must do so with a visa, and anyone crossing illegally must be immediately returned. Insist Mexico resurge its troops to the border, as they had under President Trump. Restart construction of the wall immediately. Send our military to our border to provide logistics and security assistance and designate the drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Deport any illegal migrant who does not have an asylum date prior to January of 2024. And finally, Cancel federal funding for any city, state, or municipality that provides sanctuary to illegal migrants or interferes with ICE operations. There is no time to waste. We now see the kind of evil that seeks to destroy and destabilize the freedom we and our allies enjoy. We must act. I say that not as an endorsement of Bernie Moreno for Senate. I'm not going to endorse in this primary because I want whoever comes out of it to have the full support of all Ohio conservatives and Republicans against Sherrod Brown. But I say that because I agree with every word of that. There are people here that we cannot trust. That is a simple matter of fact 
common sense tells us when 9 million illegals have come in since Joe Biden pledged not to build any more border wall, rolled out the red carpet, encouraged caravans of people to come here uh, completely under the catch and release system of just claim asylum and we'll let you go. We know we're never going to see you again unless you do something illegal, which, of course, is the problem here. But um, if 9 million people have come across, 6 million that we know, a million and a half to 2 million of the known gotaways, and then there's the unknown gotaways, um, there is a percentage of them, and even if it's a tiny percent, one percent, a half of a percent of them who are here for nefarious purposes to advance jihad, to commit acts like what we just saw in Israel, then we have to get rid of them before they do it. There's just no two ways about it. Anyone who does not have an asylum date, as he said, before January of 2024, that means in the next three months, is gone. Boot them. They can request asylum from another location. They're not doing it from within the United States of America. That's how it's got to be. So, Tanya, thank you. And Bernie Marino, thank you for that message. Um, Andy in Middleburg Heights next. Hi, Andy. Go ahead. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Andy. You know, Bob, I was told I've only got about a year to live. I'm 82 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm going on. I'm sliding down. I'm so choked up this morning. You, you, my friend, you, my friend, have to keep this message out there, and they got to keep playing the video. They won't play it on TV all the time, but they got a video in America. Wake up and watch the frickin' TV and see how they slaughter these people. They're taking these kids and decapitating them. They're raping women. Can you imagine someone coming into your house and doing that to your family? What the hell are we waiting for? Why, why are, why are, this is America. My God, we're, we were a free country. What the hell happened? I mean, this didn't happen overnight. This has started with Obama. Didn't people open their eyes? They had eight years to open their eyes. And now with, with Biden in there, and my God, you're one of the few guys, believe me, I've got time to listen to different stations. You are one of the few guys that are saying things the way they are. Get off your ass, America. Arm yourself or you're, you're going to get slaughtered. Watch TV and watch these people be slaughtered. Watch their throats get slit. Watch them decapitate these kids and send them back over to their parents. Watch this stuff. My God, America, what are we waiting for? I'm ready. I've got enough rounds and I've got enough ammo and everything. I'm a CCW, 82 years old. I don't care. I'm ready. And America, Bob, you got to keep this up. Because you and Mark Levin and, and John B. Wells, you're the only guys that are getting this out on the air. You don't see nothing on CNN, NBC, no place. You guys got to get this message out. And if America cannot see with their own eyes and common sense, you know, you don't have, they don't have to come to your house. You'll be driving down the street. They'll machine gun your car with you and your family and set the car on fire like they're doing over there. Don't, don't people realize how this is the end times, my friend. And, well, and, well, and it, does, it doesn't. Like I, it doesn't have to be uh, because you know because of what you're saying. And thank you, Andy, for the call. And God bless you. And I appreciate your passion and your sincerity and the things that you say. Um, it doesn't have to be, but only if we do indeed recognize the reality of the threat. This is not fear mongering. Fear mongering is telling everybody that you're going to die if you don't take this shot. 
um, of completely untested materials on human beings in the long term, you're going to die, and if you don't die, your grandma will because they're going to get something from you if you don't take this shot. That's fear-mongering. It's, it's, it's completely bogus. It is indefensible. It is inaccurate. That's fear-mongering. Saying that there is a threat of attack from people who are against our existence and against the existence of Israelis and of Jews is not fear-mongering because we have evidence of it. We have evidence of it happening, and absolutely, listen, in the article that I shared with you from Daniel Horowitz, he talked about rallies, pro-Palestinian, which means pro-Hamas rallies, breaking out all over this country that are not dozens strong, that are hundreds strong, that are in some cases thousands strong. What do you think those people mean when they chant, death to Israel, death to America? You think they're kidding that they don't want to kill America? How do you kill a country? You can't shoot the earth. You can't shoot the ground. You shoot the people within it. What do you think they mean? And what do you think it means when there are other radical terrorist type organizations who have expressed open support for Hamas and the butchering of those babies that we just talked about? Black Lives Matter has issued a public statement endorsing the Hamas murder of mass murder of babies, of women, of children, of, of, of innocent people. They've literally done this publicly. BLM Grassroots sent out a statement issuing their complete support for the Palestinians and for Hamas. More tweets coming from the leader of, of BLM, Melina Abdullah, that's BLM Grassroots, saying that, uh, quote, more and more Jews invading campuses, causing Islamophobia, racism, and intolerance. We must dismantle the patriarchy, and specifically the Jewish patriarchy, offending Muslims and controlling our economy and our campuses. In the face of the Hamas attacks, BLM grassroots declared, quote, resistance must not be condemned but understood as a desperate act of self-defense. Well, how is raping girls and beheading babies an act of self-defense? I don't know. I don't get it. But I do know that BLM is still a massive number of people. And if BLM follows the advice of their leadership, Joined with another terrorist organization that believes violence is the answer, the pro-Palestinian groups that are that are waving those flags and chanting their their death to America, death to Israel uh, nonsense all over this country right now. What makes you think they're not going to start with you in your community? Meanwhile, we've got Biden and the Biden regime trying to disarm us, trying to limit the number of rounds that we can have trying to limit the the type of ammunition we can use, the type of weapon we can have, because, you know, the only reason to have a gun in America is for hunting. Well, a deer wearing Kevlar vest, why do you need a, why do you need 30 rounds? Why do you need a AR-15? You know, what a, come on. Wait, what? Second Amendment isn't for deer hunting or for hunting in general. Second Amendment isn't for sports shooting. Second Amendment is for life preservation against whatever enemy reveals itself, domestic or foreign, or criminal. 
And now we see exactly why we must be prepared and we must be protected. And let me make one more quick note here before the bottom of the hour. I'm going to tie what they're doing in Israel to the story that I started this half hour with, which is, hey, today is election day, the first day to vote no on issue one, which, of course, is the abortion on demand for any time, at any time, for any reason, in the gestational cycle. Most of us are properly horrified at the image of babies being beheaded in Israel. If you are among those horrified at the beheading of babies in Israel, how are you not equally horrified at the dismembering of babies in utero? If they're cutting off heads and limbs of children in in Israel and you are livid about that, if you are heartbroken about that, if you are crushed because of the thought of that, know that it is happening right now, this moment, in Planned Parenthood clinics all over this country. There are women with appointments right now at 1127 Eastern Time, 927 Pacific Time. There are women right now who are lying on tables, and there are babies that are being dismembered limb from limb right now. And that will be the case in the state of Ohio all the way up through and past pain capability, fully formed human beings ripped to shreds for any reason if that amendment passes. So I want you to ask yourself, can you possibly condemn the barbaric killing of those children and those babies in Israel without condemning the barbaric killing of babies in their mother's wombs. I'll be back. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. You know, um, yesterday I did a new uh, Bob France Road Rants. Um, if you're on my Rumble, if you follow my Rumble feed, you'll get these from time to time. I do Bob France Road Rants, and these are just thoughts that I have while I'm driving my truck. I've got my camera mounted to my windshield, kind of, sort of, whatever. Uh, and whenever I have the need to share some important content with you, I just go ahead and click record, and I and I let it fly. Yesterday, in my Road Rants, I talked about why it is not morally wrong for us, for me, for the Israelis, to support the full annihilation of Hamas in Gaza, even if it means there will be collateral damage, and why it is that it doesn't make me like them that, you know, women and children are going to be killed, and I don't care. Well, I do care, but it's it's not my responsibility to protect their women and children if they are hiding behind them while they're shooting at me, at my family. Um, so th- I want to play this, and I'm going to share at least part of this, and I'm going to share uh, a quote from a from an article from somebody I have great respect for that almost mirrors my thought here exactly. But this is part of yesterday's Bob France Road Rants on my Rumble page. I want to tell you something you probably already know. There are two types of people in this world. There are actual human beings. And then there are subhuman, savage animals. 
And oftentimes, those subhuman savage animals, well, that's an insulting term to actual animals. Subhuman savage animals try to kill other human beings simply for existing because they don't like their existence and they don't like where they live. Subhuman savage animals would go into a town or a community and go house to house and slaughter the families and leave them lying dead on the floor. With the exception of the bodies that are not yet dead on the floor, those bodies then get beheaded with a rusty shovel or a spade. I'm going to advance. In Gaza City? I'm going to advance this here a little bit because we've already discussed the horrors and the atrocities. We know the terrible things that were done. The point that I was making, though, is still to come here. Of those murders, rapes, tortures, and, and, and kidnappings, some of them are in the halls of Congress. Some of them are in our Ohio State House. Some of them are our college campuses. They are also subhuman savage animals. And the worst thing about subhuman savage animals like these is their hypocrisy because they are then calling on the Israelis for a ceasefire. Let's stop all of the killing, they say, because we, we don't like any of the bloodshed. And don't forget, there are innocent women and children in Gaza. So let's have a ceasefire. Don't shoot back. I've got news for these people. If you start shooting at my family and you're hiding behind your own family, I will shoot through your family, your human shields, just to kill you. Not out of vengeance, but out of self-defense for my family. That's the part of my rant yesterday that I was very, very pleased to see almost mirrored by Jason D. Hill at Front Page Magazine in an article uh, headlined, Will Israel Do What It Takes to Secure Peace? And I'm going to read this quote here because it was, like I said, it's, it's very similar. He said, if a home invader uses his 93-year-old grandmother as a shield while he brandishes, brandishes a gun at you and your family, leaving you to think he's going to kill you, uh, to kill you all, rather, you would be under zero ethical obligation to spare the life of his grandmother if you possessed a weapon and had an excellent opportunity to kill him. The moral responsibility for the grandmother's life lies with him, not you. You have a prima facie duty to protect your life in that situation by any means and whatever cost to that invader. In the moment your right to your life supersedes, in that moment, your right to your life supersedes any moral obligation you might have to spare the grandmother's life in the defense of yourself. You cannot be held responsible for a situation immorally imposed upon you, which then further requires you to compromise your life by any form of a threat put forward by the invader. Right? That's my message in this Israel situation. If there are dead grandmothers and children and women in Gaza, Palestinians who are happy, who happen to get killed as the Israelis fight to defend themselves by going after Hamas. The deaths of those people, the blood of those people, is on the hands not of the Israelis, but of Hamas. They are the metaphorical home invader in the story that I just shared with you. Israel is under no ethical or moral obligation to spare the lives of the others in Gaza while they protect their own selves and their families from the murderers that choose to use those innocents as as human shields. There is no moral ambiguity here. The Israelis have to do what they have to do to save their own lives. 
and the lives of their people. Let's go to Cleveland. This is uh, a rabbi, Rabbi Dan, on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, rabbi Dan, thank you Hi, for Bob. calling Thanks us. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Go right ahead. So, you know, um, I have, I've lived in Israel. I have family living in Israel. And we're watching them very carefully what's happening. Of course, we're horrified. But I just want to make a couple of points. When, when the Palestinians and their supporters talk about the Nakba, which they used to call the, called the catastrophe, that was when the state of Israel was proclaimed in 48 by the UN, by international bodies, mm-hmm. and immediately was attacked by the Arab armies with the, with the, with the, the goal of annihilating Israel. The, their, their catastrophe was not that they lost the war. It was the, it, excuse me, it wasn't the establishment of the state of Israel. It was the fact that they lost the war and failed to destroy all the rest of the Jews in the world at that time. That was, that's what they talk about, talk about when they're speaking about their Nakba. And when they talk about the occupation, that the people say, well, this is just a natural reaction of being occupied by Israel for so many years. It's just BS. I'm sorry, I have to say it that way. Gaza was given back to the, to the Palestinians for complete control in, in, in 2005 by Ariel Sharon and the Israeli government with the goal of helping them to begin to, be able to, to build a peaceful state. Rather than build a state, they turned it into a terrorist launching pad into Israel immediately. Israel evacuated every single Jew and Israeli living there. They even dug up the Jewish cemeteries and took the bodies of Jews buried there out so they'd be completely Jew-free. And they left a whole industry of greenhouses and technology for the Palestinians to immediately take over and to bring in an incredible amount of money into their economy to help them build their state. And the next day, they destroyed them all because they said, we can't use things made by dirty Jewish hands. So Gaza's been controlled completely by the PA, which was thrown out of control by, by Hamas. And... I, I, I don't want to hear anybody tell me about the occupation because they've had complete control of their lives over there for all these years. This is just a continuation of the desire to destroy Israel and to kill as many Jews as possible. Well, I, I'm sad to say that you are a thousand percent right. Uh, and uh, you said you had family and friends in Israel. Are they safe, or you, do you know of their whereabouts? I just spoke to my to my to one of my one of my children who lives there this morning, and thank God she's okay. And I'm in touch with a number of my friends, um, but unfortunately, we all, we all know already people who have been killed, and um, and people, both civilians and um, soldiers, who have been killed. And um, you know, my, my heart goes sure. out to all of them for obvious reasons. But I have a special place where I feel for those who don't know. If you have relatives or family or friends in Israel and you have not been able to establish contact with them, and you don't know if they're dead or alive, that's the kind of suffering I can't imagine. Uh, no, so thank God we've been able to be in touch with them exactly. every day. Exactly. Uh, no, no, I, mean, I, I just you. want to end with I know your time is Please. short. Um, yeah. A quote from Barack Obama regarding regarding this. He said, if somebody was sending rockets into my house where my two daughters sleep at night, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop that. I would expect Israelis to do the same thing. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. Well, that's a great way to... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.